Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL's Sunday ticket this season. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL's Sunday ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts are also available. This NFL season, be your own GM. Be a winning GM. Turn this season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. So when you play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. Yahoo Fantasy is also the only app where you can manage all your season-long and daily fantasy teams in one place. Create or join a league now at yahoo.com slash the ringer fantasy football. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Danacy Football Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm joined, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Danny Heifetz. DH, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. We're on to preseason week three, which means we're getting closer and closer to the real thing. It's and getting real. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. This is kind of the, the dress rehearsal week, so you're actually going to see some starters and see some something that resembles real football. And yeah, it's, we're getting closer and closer to draft, too. I know it's like almost the NFL season when I can see Eli Manning just lumbering around like a like a newly born giraffe in the backfield, escaping pass rushers from his blind side. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's the fall. It's perfect. <laughs> you love it. As usual, we're going to do a couple of segments. We're going to start out with the thank me laters. You, you could thank me now. And oh, my goodness, you're welcome. And Danny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out with a second year tight end. His name is David Joku. He's a Brown. And I think he's about to have a very good season. He... We saw week one. He had two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, I saw. It was against the Giants. <laughs> that's right. Was, that's already How starting. Could to, I it's forget? like already a painful memory for you. It seemed like a har, uh, harbinger of things to come. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, he's, he's a really, really good athlete. They didn't use him a lot last year, kind of surprisingly and, and, and inexplicably. I think he played in less than half of their snaps. And... So far, per Adam Leviton, he's played on 94% of the first string snaps for the Browns this this preseason. And so I think he's going to be an integral piece of their of their offense. Now, obviously, the question is who's going to be the quarterback. I think right now the you know the odds on bet is Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter. But either way, if it's Baker Mayfield or, or Taylor, I think he is going to be a very, very, I think he's going to be a breakout tight end this year. What, what's your what's your opinion of him so far? So my opinion of him so far first is, do you watch Hard Knocks? Uh, I watch bits and pieces of it. So yeah. here's here's the thing. I know some players like to hike up their jersey. David Njoku wears <laughs> his jersey and his pads the highest I've ever seen. Like he's just wearing shoulder pads and like it's all skin. <laughs> Yeah, like it's like Daisy Dukes. It's wild. Uh, I've never seen anyone quite hike up their jersey so much. It's like Ezekiel Elliott style. Yeah, he looks sculpted. You know, it's way more than that. Uh, It's wild. So like, honestly, every time he's on the field, you kind of can't not look at him. Uh, Also super concerning that they they considered it a punishment uh, that he had to do 30 catches on the jugs machine when Antonio (laughs) Brown does like 100 catches after practice every day because he's just, you know, for fun. Uh, No, I I think you're totally right here, though, because, I mean, his snaps are going to go up. He's... I think he's on a similar-ish 
we, we, we've talked about this before, but I think he's almost reminds me of, in a way, Delaney Walker of kind of guy that has a lot of tools, but mm-hmm. it's a question of how quickly can he put together the routes and like the basic stuff, like, you know, catching the football. Uh, <laughs> but I, right. I think that he's a fantastic value to be grabbing as, you know, either tight end 12 or someone you're getting after the first hundred picks. If you're talking about who can break into the top five, I mean, I don't think anyone would be very surprised. Yeah, I mean, tight end group in general is really, really shallow or heavy at the top, I guess. And I just look at what Tyrod Taylor did in Buffalo. Obviously, Charles Clay was a big target for him all the time. I think he's just a veteran quarterback. He's not going to take a ton of risks, so I think he likes to kind of utilize that that check down slash you know security blanket over the middle. I think Joku's just going to have a big year. Well, and he's, um, and to to be fair, he's not just the check down thing. Like Charles Clay, kind of is probably more the check down guy that. Tyrod had in Buff Tyrod, excuse me. That's a whole thing. <laughs> Let's uh, not get into that. <laughs> but yeah. in, in Buffalo, but Joku's fast. <clears throat> he's fast. He he's actually gotten much better as a route runner. Uh, so it'd be interesting after all this with like Jarvis and things that he actually, you know, I, we talk about Josh Gordon, but I mean, he's one of the better deep threats on the team. Actually, yeah, he's he can own that seam route, I think, and you know, challenge safeties up the seam. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch him. I think in terms of breakout players, he's definitely got to watch. Um, yeah, who, who, then, let's, let, who are you guys who do you want to talk about so speaking of deep guys I was kind of looking at players that just love their value and there were a mm-hmm. few different guys that really going at the tail end of drafts that I just love to grab every time uh, I always it's never the same guy but there's always a, a handful of dudes that I'm just like I can't believe they're still there so this yeah. is more this is a handful of recommendations you don't have to go with any single one of them but I think that if you end up with any of them in the 14th, 15th round, right before you grab your defense or whenever you're picking, I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's three dudes. Yeah. Michael Gallup on the Cowboys, which yep. first of all, yep. maybe the best name in the history of wide receivers. His name is on, literally Gallup. On the Cowboys. And he yeah. plays for the Cowboys. So that's destiny uh, after a whole season of wondering who's going to be receiver for them. Uh, I'm. It's fair to be a little worried about the Cowboys line now, which I'll talk about in a minute, but right. he's... Just, I mean, he just—he's their third-round pick, and he just seems like he really might be the answer. You know, obviously, I mean, he's going late, so you're not investing a ton. He's a rookie, but it'd be really interesting if behind Hearns and Beasley, I mean, I think he has a complementary skill set. I don't think he's necessarily pulling from either of those guys. He's going ADP 140, wide receiver 53 on average per Fantasy Pros. Mm-hmm. Next one, wide receiver 54, Kenny Galladay. So right behind him, yeah, Kenny Galladay. This is always so weird to me. Every year there are kind of sleepers du jour of rookie wide receivers, even though we Last kind of year, understand yeah. <laughs> that wide receivers are really, really difficult position to come out and play immediately in the NFL because it's not just the physical, the, people talk about the speed of the NFL, but it's also about timing. It's not just being at, oh, NFL game speed. It's you have to be on NFL game speed with Matthew Stafford, who's been in the NFL for yeah. 10 years and knows what he's doing. So that, like, it's not... There's it's, precision involved. Yeah, and so... There's a reason that rookie running backs come out and set the world on fire. Meanwhile, Juju Smith-Schuster had a better season than like the five or six receivers taken ahead of him in the real draft combined, right? right. So Galladay is a good example to me of someone that he was a sleeper and then everyone's kind of forgotten about him a little bit. But meanwhile, the the Lions... Lions fans have not forgotten about Lions him. Lions fans have not forgotten about him. I wrote about the top 10 receiver cores in the NFL like earlier this summer and... I didn't include the Lions because right now they basically, you know, it's Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. That's a really good duo, but they didn't have a tight end and they didn't, ha- they don't have a really well proven third receiver. And so, but Lions fans were really pissed at me because, 
you know, they think Galladay is, is essentially, well, I don't, they're not saying this, but it, it made it sound like he's the, you know, second coming of, of Megatron or something. Um, there is, you know, he, he has been lining up as a quote starter in the lions two receiver sets so far this preseason. So that's kind of a big deal now. And, and that's in front of golden Tate. So that's kind of interesting, but at the same time, the lions are a three receiver set team. Like they exactly. ran, they've run more three receiver sets than any team in the last three years. I think something like 85% or something like that. So, I mean, he's, he's not necessarily a in front of golden Tate at this point, but I think he's going to get a ton of play. And so he's also you know, someone he, he's that if, those, if Marvin Jones gets hurt, he's one of those receivers that actually vaults. You know, usually targets mm-hmm. are spread around when a receiver hurts. That's why you know it's difficult to handcuff receivers. I'd say not only is Galladay maybe able to carve out a role in his own right. I mean, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones have both dealt with injuries in their career, and he's the guy that I mean, Galladay has too. But if Galladay actually leaps to number two on the depth chart for what either talent or injury, he's immediately like just vaults up the rankings and he's yeah. also talented and he's also really good so his his average catch was 17 yards last last year as a rookie so he's he's a really solid deep threat too um i like that one a lot the last guy i got for you john brown mm-hmm. of the ravens this was i'll admit that when the, the ravens signed him i kind of like yawned uh because i mean so <laughs> right. he's he was just kind of the real kind of deep threat burner for the cardinals and he was tortured like it's almost like sisyphus rolling his rock he's the deep threat uh, entering the season on a team that had Carson Palmer, who couldn't throw the ball deep really anymore. Uh, and then, you know, he leaves the Cardinals, and now he's on the Ravens, where Joe Flacco's arm strength yeah. is much more uh, probably talked about than it should be at this point, because he actually has terrible depth of target. But every single report out of training camp says that Flacco has this fire lit under him from Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And where there's fire, there's smoke, because I swear to God, everyone on the team insists on calling John Brown smoke. It's wild. <laughs> that was a, like, yeah, it, it's just that, like, oh, you? yeah, man, smoke. Like, they're just talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, smoke ran a great route. Like, that's his new name now. So uh, he's right now going wide receiver 63. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to be like a deep threat kind of guy. But if he actually is able to develop the kind of underneath routes and more timing based things we haven't really seen from him, it's not really discussed, but it'd be pretty interesting if Joe Flacco was not good this year, but like right. average. You know, I mean, even if the if the Ravens offense, if their passing offense is even marginally better, their offense could take a big jump because we saw last year in the second half of the year, especially their run game really took off under Greg Roman. You know, Alex Collins has had like a huge second half. And so there's that kind of as the foundation. And, you know, Flacco came into the year fighting a, a back injury. He started out terribly. He got a little bit cleaner as the season went on. But like you said, his, uh, I think his A dot, his average depth of target was maybe the worst in the NFL. If not, it was like one of the worst three in the NFL. So he was just checked down the whole and time. And then this year, it's kind of funny because there, he started changing like little things that are super basic. Like beat reporters were like, yeah, he's working out with his receivers in the offseason now, which he's a veteran <laughs> quarterback. What have you been doing, my dude? What I love you, that. Like, he's just like, so on one hand, you're like, how have you not been doing this for 10 years? And on the other, it's like, right. that's... Uh, I'm not willing to bet Michael Crabtree at like 63rd overall that Joe Flacco will be good. I'm kind of intrigued about John Brown and like the my final pick before I take a defense. That, that's absolutely yeah. I mean, if you look at so Roto World does a thing where they track uh, loss of targets from last year in terms of like volume. The Ravens have 332 targets left. You know, in in free agency or via release or whatever. Obviously, they signed Crabtree. 
uh, Willie Sneed and John Brown, but we have really no idea how that chemistry and and just in terms of how they're going to play uh, call plays and everything. We don't really know how that the new um, the workload is going to get split up or whatever. So I think you know it's a it's a really smart gamble late. You know I I wouldn't be surprised honestly if his ADP went up a little bit before the season if we see a couple good plays from him out of the preseason. But yeah, I think he really smart late round bet. You can't really I mean you're betting on. There's tons and tons of available volume, and I think that there's a chance that the Ravens' offense could be better this year. And so, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be good, but my, they're going to be a little bit better. My most contrarian opinion this year is that Joe Flacco might be good. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to. Uh, uh, let's. We'll, uh, we can. We can delve into that later. Oh, yeah. I'm not in but, full so support who, of that. But who's who's your final thank me thank me later guy? All right, so. I really am intrigued right now with Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos. There's there's many reasons for this. Number one, I just think he's a really good player. Um, but number two, I think, and, and this is something that I've heard from a couple of people lately, that I think a lot of people kind of forget that he was hurt for half of last year. He had like a knee issue that was nagging him. And according to Next Gen Stats, he just wasn't really as fast as he normally was. Um, going back to 2016, uh, you know, obviously he was dealing with a subpar quarterback situation in Denver. Now they've got Case Keenum, who I don't know if he's necessarily like a good quarterback, but I think he's definitely an upgrade from what they had last year. Um, all the reports of <laughs> camp right now are that he's, he's, you know, on, on the same page with Keenum. He's kind of turning into his favorite target or whatever. And obviously, um, you know, even a small uptick in their in their passing offense could be huge for them. They, last year, I, I think I saw this; they were thirty first in DVOA last year in in the passing game. So I think that there's a there's a huge chance for a big improvement there with with Sanders. And I think the other thing that's interesting is they're playing him in the slot a little bit more this year. I guess um, I saw this from can't remember where I saw this. Oh, Evan Silva said they've run about half their snaps. Um, Sanders has run half his snaps from inside the slot. And I just wrote about how NFL passing games more than ever are, are kind of happening over the middle field. They're more efficient. Passes are more efficient from two, two players lining up in the slot. It's just kind of an easier thing and then, then trying to pass to the outside, outside the numbers. And so I think there's a, there's a strong chance that Sanders could have a big kind of, not breakout, but like a bounce back season this year. And the other thing about, uh, him moving the slot, well, not moving to the slot because he obviously he's worked there before in the past, but like probably he'll spend more time there this year. And I think that's interesting because mm-hmm. we've seen how the slot can kind of rejuvenate, not rejuvenate, but like really can kind of inject yeah. some new life, like a PRP yeah. injection to like uh, people's careers. Like, I mean, what happened with Larry Fitzgerald kind of since he went from outside to mainly in the slot? Uh, it's kind of wild. I mean, obviously it's not like yeah. a cure-all thing. But it's interesting how, you know, suddenly you're, you're taking them against receivers or really cornerbacks with different skill sets and maybe you're getting them in positions where they don't have to fight off the line in the same bit. And it does seem to not really pause the aging process, but for guys who are coming back from injuries or, I mean, Sanders is actually 31 now, which makes me feel kind of old. But it, it's <laughs> it's interesting how guys on the other side of the 30s can move there and have um, interesting things happen. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, so he's he's a guy that I've definitely got. You know, I'm going to be targeting him a lot in drafts this year because I think he could have a big bounce back. So right right now his ADP is around 78 in PPR, 33 wide receiver. I mean, the guys kind of read him. He's around Will Fuller. I mean, we've talked about Will Fuller. But like Will Fuller territory, Marquise Goodwin, guys behind him are like Robert Woods, Devin Funches. How do you feel about mm-hmm. him? 
I mean, I like, I kind of like all those guys, to be honest. I think that whole like tier of players, I think, could be, you know, they, they could kind of outplay their ADP right now. Yeah. We know my thoughts on Will Fuller. Uh, so on that note, we can transition to intrigued or deterred because my intrigued or deterred uh, actually really stems from that because I noticed some other guys that are also playing more in the slot. And I actually wanted your thoughts on these guys, but basically other guys that are playing more in the slot that I saw this, and this is from a list from Graham Barfield who tweeted this out, uh, which I really love from Fantasy Guru. And he threw out there that Sammy Watkins, who's Mm -hmm. currently going around 74th overall, uh, Watkins has done, I think, 12 of 23 of his snaps in the preseason so far, which is a small sample, obviously, but from the slot. Uh, That's really interesting. So he spent, I think, 70% of his time in Los Angeles was from the outside. Watkins is a really interesting guy that if he could become more of a slot receiver because he's 25 and it kind of feels like we've all collectively almost given up on him. A guy (laughs) that was considered not the heir to Calvin Johnson, but like kind of (laughs) like coming out of the draft, like he was this physically gift. I mean, he doesn't have the same size, but like physically gifted. He could do it all like route running and the, the, the meeting the ball at the point of the catch. Like he was special Mm -hmm. and obviously he's been robbed, you know, some, some foot injuries and things, but it's kind of interesting that like you go down the list of, of, looking at guys, you're like, oh yeah. And then this 25-year-old former like world beater is just sitting there in the 60s. And then I don't want to say I'm ready to pick him because I've been burned by Sammy too many times, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, especially now that, you know, we're going to be watching an offense run by Patrick Mahomes. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to watch the, the Chiefs this year. I think, you know, all those guys are very, very intriguing, but I mean, just, you know, the different, going from, from, you know, Alex Smith, who obviously had a great season last year, but going from that offense to Patrick Mahomes, it could be, they could look completely different. So I'm definitely intrigued too. I, I don't really know what to expect. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily high on Watkins just because of the, there's so much, I guess, unknown there. And he's also got to deal with, you know, fighting for, for targets with Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey and all that. But um, they obviously gave him a lot of money. And so it seems like they want to make him a big part of the offense. Yeah. One, yeah, definitely. The other guy that's also in the slot, uh, I'm seeing a little more is uh, Trey Burton. I mean, we've talked about Trey Burton before, but again, he's working a lot from the slot. We we kind of figured that might happen, but it, it's still nice to see confirming that there are going to be Travis Kelsey esque roles yeah. for him. We we've talked about how he's you know it's unfair to expect anything resembling a Travis Kelsey season from him, but it's it's nice to actually see him working from there, uh, like we'd hoped. I think there's more buzz right now on Burton than maybe any other tight end. You know, people are really. You know, I, I, there's I think there's really really high hopes around him, um, you know, and like you said, if if he could play that Travis Kelsey role, that's huge. And he's definitely athletic enough. So uh, yeah, he in a, in a shallow tight end group, I think you know he's he's a really really good target. Yeah, he's uh, tight end ten right now. He said. Yeah, he's going tight end. T- I mean, depending where you look, but fantasy pros by ADP. Yeah, and then um, who are some of the I'm guys gonna, you're intrigued by? Yeah, so I never thought I would really say this, but. <laughs> <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, I, I've kind of become intrigued with Jeremy Hill on the Patriots. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you know they've had some injury situations happening, you know, in their in their backfield. Uh, Sony Michelle had already had a knee issue, and so in the Patriots' backfield, there's a lot of question marks. But it sounds like Jeremy Hill has kind of looked really good, and so you know he's going to kind of have to like hold off. Um, 
some of the guys around him, Mike Gillisley or whoever, but he could end up being kind of that like goal line back that we saw. Remember last year when Gillisley scored three touchdowns in the early, you know, I think in the first game and everyone expected a huge year from him. And then he kind of, I think he fumbled and they stopped using him at all. But if he could, if Jeremy Hill could emerge, you know, cause right now it's like Rex Burkhead, James White, who are more sort of the dynamic pass catching style kind of guys. I think if they could use Hill as like that, you know, the, the, the hammer or whatever in their in their run game, kind of like Garrett Blunt was back in the day, then he could be he could have sneaky upside, you know. And so it just sounds like you know reports out of out of Patriots camp sounds like he's kind of looking really good, like more spry. I saw that from Doug Kyed. and so um, yeah, he, he's kind of a guy I've got my eye on right now. The Patriots between Rex Burkhead and Corey Dillon, there's certainly quite the lineage of taking uh, running backs from Cincinnati and having them work in New England. So <laughs> yeah. Well, he, I mean, he's he's a right now his Hill's ADP is two hundred and forty, so he's running back seventy, so he's basically undrafted, and so I mean, he's a late round guy. He's a he's a late round flyer. I'm definitely gonna be taking in a few leagues. I I I love that. I think that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, while you're talking about guys who look spry, I see the next person on your list is Frank, Frank Gore. Gore. <laughs> Frank Gore is just that guy who never ages, right? He, he's just, every year you think he's going to fall off that cliff and then he somehow manages to just keep, you know, keep chugging along. And now, you know, he hasn't played in the preseason and I think, you know, they're kind of like just letting him kind of do his veteran thing. But it sounds like news out of Miami is that he could even be a starter in split, in split carries with Kenyon Drake. And so I think that there is some value to be had there you know, he 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 might not be kind of like a running back two or whatever, like he has been a couple like last couple of years. But you know, for what he's what he's costing right now in terms of his ADP and everything, I think you could really you know get a lot of value from him right now. He's uh, ADP is two twenty one, running back sixty five. You know, he, he's a late round sixty five years old. <laughs> yeah, he's thirty five. No, I, I respect I respect the hustle. I don't know, I don't mean to impugn the great the great Frank Gore. It's a crowded backfield there, but um, it feels like people are kind of forgetting about him a little bit. Uh, well, he he's I this is mean, but he's he's a little forgettable. I love him though. Uh, <laughs> Every okay. year, though, yeah, <laughs> this is true. Uh, last intrigued for you, I saw this one. This this one rattled me a little bit, but I I see, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> are you talking about Mike Boone? Mike Boone. Yeah, I mean, he uh, obviously right now he's behind some guys in the Minnesota backfield, but he looked really, really explosive. He broke off a nice he broke off a nice cutback for like a huge gain, and it was it was actually I mean, it was a good hole, but like it was actually a really good read. Yeah, I mean, he just he looked infinitely better than Latavius Murray, and that I don't they're not going to make a decision based on one game, but obviously Murray fumbled twice in that game. And Boone looked really, really good. So he's kind of like one guy that file, you know, file in the back of your mind, right? For for now, he he's a, a really, really, really good athlete, and that showed up on the field. That um, I mean, if, if the, Murray the f- continues to have you know ball security issues, then he could end up being the backup. Right. The there. fumbles crushed me because I actually loved the idea of pairing Dalvin Cook with Latavius Murray because. I know handcuffing is kind of gone like out of vogue, but like Latavius Murray is one of the few handcuffs that like, all right, if Dalvin Cook gets hurt again, like he's a clear like starting player. Yeah. And like, it's no question. And it's, it, it's painful to see him fumble the ball because it doesn't matter who you are. If you're fumbling, you're kind of screwed, which is still why I don't really trust Sonny Michelle. Uh, but yeah. 
Another guy that I found intriguing, DK, is yeah. John Kelly, mm-hmm. chief of staff of the United States. No, John Kelly, Rams running back, who uh, has he got a lot of Alvin Kamara comparisons because he also went to Tennessee, which just seems unfair to the guy. But yeah, seems they're not like, the same yeah, player, it's, it's not, they're yeah. not. It's just kind of, all right, they both went to Tennessee. But he very much looks like he's usurping Malcolm Brown for the backup job. You know, he's probably not going to rise above him on the depth chart right now. But if Todd Gurley were to go down, uh, everyone's, it, it seems like very likely that John Kelly does have the stuff to actually yeah. do more on the offense than Malcolm Brown does. Malcolm Brown, um, solid guy, but you know sometimes difficult breaking away in quite the way Gurley does. And with Gurley's a guy, actually, I, I would handcuff and I would grab John Kelly. Right. Uh, very I mean, think, about, think about the upside of just late round, last round, grabbing Gurley's backup. Like, imagine if he went down the volume. Like, that could be a, a league winner right there. No, yeah, it really could. I mean, look, it's it, get insurance, whether it's a U-Haul or your number one overall pick, like, you know, to get the $11 I, well, insurance I love policy. the pick. I love John Kelly. I want to say I maybe talked about him on a previous podcast, too. Like, he I, he was the guy who, when I, when I wrote the uh, the Scout Speak article during the draft time, that he was the rolling ball of butcher knives. You know, he just <laughs> runs really, really hard, you know, bounces off tackles. He's just really hard to tackle, so he, he's a lot of fun to watch. I don't, he's, he's, he's not as, exp- he's not... He's not even like in the same stratosphere in terms of style as Alvin Kamara, but um, he is he is elusive. I'll put it that way. He, yeah. He's just not as explosive. And then moving on to deterred. The deterred. deterred. Yeah. Did you call them the deterreds? Yeah, this is uh, that's, that's kind of mean. Little, that yeah. came out weird, but let's go with the, um, let's go with the it actually kind of fits. My first guy right now, the Colts backfield man. It, it's so hard to figure out. <laughs> it's rough, There's rough just, couple weeks. You know, they got like Kristen Michael, Jordan Wilkins. Uh, Robert Turbin is suspended for the first four games, I want to say, and then uh, uh, Naheem Himes, Hines, he got he got a quite a bit of I think hype, you know, over the first couple months after the draft, and he just hasn't really taken advantage and, and kind of figured out a way to secure a role on the team. He's fumbled, I want to say, like three or four times in the preseason, um, so that could really limit his ability to kind of like find it a place on the team because Marlon Mack I think is kind of the same style of of running back for them and so if he keeps fumbling you know he's the kind of guy that could just end up not you know he could just ride the pine all year and so I'm kind of I'm kind of down on him right now I just I, I don't know if I can trust him at this point yeah I, I look they brought the Colts brought in uh Christine Michael who I think is in the long list of running backs who have like you know like how I met your mother is the crazy hot scale Running backs kind of have like the elite talent to like actual production. I've never heard more <laughs> hype about someone to like see less from them than Christine Michael in my I entire was a, life. I was a part of that problem, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so, which I understand, <laughs> but that's kind of when you know, oh my God, maybe this is just a stay away. Like every year there's a couple backfields just stay away. This mm-hmm. field, the Colts feel like maybe that's it this year. Uh, next guy for you, you're a little deterred by Jay Ajayi. So right now I'm not out. I'm not out on Ajayi, but... It sounds like they're already managing his reps and kind of like worrying a little bit worried about his knee, which to me is just a little bit scary. Um, you know, if you're going to take him, if you're going to take him high, like I just don't think it's to me, it's like a risk I don't really want to take at this point. You know, that might change if he's if he falls in the draft really far, then fine. Like that's that's fine taking him. But um, I'm just a little bit, you know, like I said, I'm deterred about it because I just like worry about the long term, you know, health of his knee. Yeah, it, it, it's it's always difficult with guys like that, especially when man, you know, like managing their carries and yeah. Well, and they have yeah. such a they have a talented backfield there. 
Um, Corey Clement could kind of like eat into his reps anyway. And so, I don't know. It just... I, I was really interested by Riley's research we talked about last week where he said Ajayi is one of the fastest or the top rising running backs if you switch from PPR scoring to points per first down. That mm-hmm. really kind of matched the eye test because when you're watching, like especially the Eagles, he is like the number one guy to me that I think of he's better in real life than in fantasy football. Like he's really great <laughs> right. at, at banging out like eight yard runs on second and eight, but he's like really it never good. really translates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the last one for me that I'm I'm deterred by uh, Ezekiel Elliott, actually. I'm so, I mean, look, I'm not changing where I would draft him or anything. I'm not saying, but I'm deterred by the recent news. Dallas's offensive line is just, in the overall scope of the Cowboys, anytime you talk about them or their offense, it's always the first thing you brought up. Well, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they have the O-line. They're not just elite and great and all pros, but, like, they're signed for, like, the next, like, five years, basically. They're all locked in. And then this week, like, the, the floodgates open. It's been trickling in for, like, a full year. Travis Frederick, and a scary thing, is diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, and mm-hmm. there's no real timeline for him to come back, and that's obviously a very, very serious situation. So I mean, I'm sure football is the not the first thing on his mind yeah, right now. Secondary, so, yeah. yeah. So hopefully he he gets healthy. Um, and then looking elsewhere on the line, you know, Zach Martin had a, had a scary knee injury last week that he ended up being not as bad as they thought, but yeah, that's still just not what you want from your other All Pro guard. Uh, going into the season. And then Lyle Collins was limping at practice that is ankle taped. They, uh, Tyrone Smith's already sitting out because, you know, he's, he already, you know, he obviously got hurt last year. And then the game that he set out was when, uh, they gave up six sacks from the left tackle on a Dak Prescott. So you're kind of looking at everyone in their mind. It's like, Oh yeah, the Cowboys are the best O line in football. They're right now. They're so battered for a team that's in late August that you're looking in and like, there's just some very base assumptions we have about, Oh, well, Zeke is fine because, you know, not only is he amazing, he's got the line. But really, I think of it in terms of Zeke and also Dak Prescott. We've never really seen Dak without the luxury of, like, this incredible line. Mm. And so it's not so much I'm deterred about the fantasy performances right now as much as I think that we might have a fundamental change now we look at Dallas um, very quickly into the season. Yeah, I wonder if it—because right now he's, like, a top three pick. And Connor top Williams, four. who they drafted out of Texas, I mean, he was a better prospect— Almost in 2016, then he kind of declined as in scout size in 2017. And I mean, mm-hmm. look, it's it's difficult to transition, but he was kind of a guard tackle tweener in a way, and that it does mm-hmm. seem like he's having tr- trouble. I mean, yeah, it, it, it maybe it takes a little bit of wind out of your sails and how you're feeling about Elliot this year. I think he's still probably he's still probably a top five pick for for most people, though. When you think just because just based on volume, he's going to be the focal point of that offense still. Just maybe not going to be quite as efficient. Yeah, it's it's definitely kind of an interesting situation. Are you going to be like taking David Johnson over him now? Is that something that you consider? Because I know that you had your reservations about that too. I'm probably sticking with Zeke over David Johnson, but it's <laughs> it's on my mind. But before we move on, uh, let's take a quick break. For over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. Good news, NFL fans! DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts also available. Quick shout out to a brand I've recently discovered, Loci. 
you've probably seen loci bracelets in some of your favorite NFL and MLB athletes. They're beaded silicon loci bracelets. They feature opposing black and white beads. The white bead holds water from Mount Everest, which is the highest point on Earth, obviously. And then the black bead carries mud from the Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on Earth. You know, in these extreme elements, you know, it's about finding balance, staying humble during life's highs and, you know, hopeful during its lows. Uh, balance, very important. Loci also donates 10% of net profits to charities. And because so many athletes and fans love the brand, uh, they recently became an officially licensed partner of the NFL, MLB, and NHL. So now you can wear your favorite team's colors and find your balance through the highs and lows of the season. Loci is offering NFL show listeners an exclusive discount of 25%. So head to loci.com, L-O-K-A-I. That's L-O-K-A-I, loci.com, to find your balance today. The bracelets are the perfect gifts for yourself or others. Usually it's what team to bet on this week, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know who's gonna win. Uh, <laughs> but if you think you know, you gotta check out my bookie. I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is really easy to use. Uh, not to mention they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, which I think that's us. <laughs> Uh, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So you can lay down some cash, win big. You win, they pay. So join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, DH, for this final segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about some guys that are, are divisive, the divisives in fantasy football. Um, who's your first guy? Because I know, you know, there's going into the season, there's some conflicting opinions about this guy. Yeah, so, I mean, there, every year there's just always a handful of dudes that just people just have absolutely opposite stuff on. And one of the dudes I'm seeing right now, actually, Christian McCaffrey, Mm -hmm. I feel like is is just become one of those dudes. People love him. People hate him. He's going eighth overall, right? I mean, went eighth overall in the real NFL draft last year. Right yeah. now, he's going sixteenth overall in PPR, fifteenth uh, overall in standard, which is kind of interesting. I think there'd be mm -hmm. a bigger gap there. But I'm interested in him because it really comes down to the believers, so to speak. They kind of think that he's going to get way more volume last year. So Jonathan Stewart left in free agency, and then he had 13 carries, almost 14 carries a game last year. And then basically what happens to those carries and how much of them are going to go to McCaffrey. So right. <laughs> there's this, this quote going around that like, oh yeah, North Turner said 25 to 30 touches a game for McCaffrey. I looked into like the actual circumstance. Of that, that's not even what he said. He said like, quote, quoting him, he, the, he said, quote, I read that Coach Rivera said 20 to 25 touches per game. <laughs> so that's probably realistic. I think every game comes up different. And then it goes on, goes on and says, some days guys are going to get more than others. Christian will get a share. So there's like a whole narrative based on McCaffrey getting a ton of touches from Norv Turner being asked about Ron Rivera just throwing out 20 to 25 or 25 to 30. There's actually competing stuff. So I, I actually, the stuff about getting 25 carries a game is ridiculous, but on the other side, I actually see it's interesting because even if he get, just gets half of those, I see the case for him to become maybe um, like a top six back if he actually gets those carries and is productive. But the thing that's interesting to me is that they have a new coordinator, and we love to discuss new coordinators and how things change. 
But it's not actually really new for Cam Newton this year because North mm-hmm. Turner, it's really just a continuation of a system that he really almost an assistant of his implemented like five years earlier. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I, I see how there's an argument. It's, it's not really a big system change. They're going to do similar stuff. On the flip side, one, their O-line is a mess. Andrew right. Norwell left. He's you know all pro guard. Issue. He left. And then the backup that he was going to replace him, Torres Meniscus, there's no timetable for his return currently. And then he's being... So now they have an undrafted rookie at a Penn State uh, playing at left guard. And their left tackle, Matt Khalil, he's hurt. And he's week to week. And he'll be back for season one. But I don't know if you remember in the playoffs, Cam Jordan, who's the defensive end for the Saints, sat, mm-hmm. got through him so many times. After the game, he called Matt Khalil speed bump McGee. He's like, oh yeah, no. I like Speed Bump McGee. So like that's Speed Bump McGee now has a bum knee. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't he wasn't good before that. I buy the argument that it's it's I I I see both sides here, but I am kind of conducive to the. I mean, he he's definitely going to get more carries. So yeah, I mean, the question is, do you do you believe in McCaffrey as like a between the tackles runner? Like bottom line, yeah. Because yes, yes. I I, I think that the questions about that. Are, I uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, he's looked really, really good so far in the preseason. I think it's clear that he's a a top-level uh, you know, pass catcher as a running back, but I think there still are questions. Obviously, his yards per carry wasn't that high last year. He, he'd struggled a little bit in between the tackles, and so you know, how much does C.J. Anderson kind of eat into all that? And, and that's the thing, really, is is he getting goal-line carries? Like, basically, is, is Norv Turner, it's second and one or third and one. Who's on the field? Is it McCaffrey? Or is it going to be C.J. Anderson? Right. I believe McCaffrey is good enough that he can just, you know, run it right in the A-gap and just, you know, leap over or just actually power through, make those reads. But I also think that it's kind of interesting that you could motion him out and put him in the slot if you want. Mm. Um, and again, he's someone who can be on the field with C.J. Anderson at the same time. And, you know, I, I, I just love that. I love the guys that, you know, it doesn't have to be a pick. So... I, at the same I time, like, I, I I see the argument that C.J. Anderson's very talented, maybe better than Jonathan Stewart was, and maybe this is just a bunch of hogwash about this carry stuff. And like Anderson is gonna take good. He's like elusive. He breaks tackles, but I feel like I'm on the McCaffrey train or whatever because I think that he, I think he just does, he just offers more to an offense. He's he's just faster. He's more explosive laterally. I I just think yeah, I, I'm all about McCaffrey. I think he's gonna have a good season. I think he's gonna show improvement on running between the tackles, which I think a lot of people still doubt. And, I mean, we know that he's a really good pass catcher, too. I mean, there was... I can't remember. I saw it on Twitter. I think maybe it was from their preseason game. He ran, like, a two-way go over the middle and just eviscerated the linebacker that was trying to guard him. Um, and that's the kind of thing that he brings to the offense on every snap. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I, you can go into the season and feel pretty good about having him in your offense, regardless of what's happening on their offensive line. I still think he's going to have a huge year. Yeah, I think the volume's going to uptick. Like, I definitely, personally, I, I stopped getting him around Dalvin Cook, but uh, I'd still rather probably have Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt ahead of him. But I, I think that, I, he's just there's certainly a chance that he's incredible. He was amazing at Stanford. He was like a legit, like, game changer. He's also one of those dudes who really is exciting to watch, and I think that can kind of be lost in this. Like, mm. he's a game breaker. And look, that, that play that went viral where he had, like, that 70-yard touchdown and, like, he accelerated, but, like, that was a wide-open hole. Like, I, I was torn because I was, like, on one hand, I was, like, oh, this is cool. But on the other, I was, like, geez, like, like a lot of uh, – it was, it, was, it was a huge hole uh, <laughs> against Dolphins, like, terrible run defense that then lost to. <laughs> um, so, I'm 
I am I'm in on McCaffrey this year, but I'm I'm I totally see where people are coming from. Yeah. DK, your next guy is Mark Ingram as a divisive. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the big question right now is, you know, number one, how much does he fall because he's he's suspended for the first four weeks of the season? And then number two, like how much does Alvin Kamara kind of take over as the lead guy there? And I personally think the well, right now, I think he's being undervalued. I think people are kind of looking at that suspension and thinking Kamara's going to completely take over on that offense. I still think they want to do a balance. I think, I don't know if the Saints have any reason to change up the way that they kind of share, you know, like split the reps or whatever. I think obviously Kamara brings something that Ingram does not bring in, in terms of explosiveness and as a pass catcher, but Ingram is really good. He's kind of, he's, he's super underrated. I wrote about him last year. You know, he's still very uh, elusive. He's he's a he's a tackle breaker in between the tackles. I think he gives them kind of the physicality that they want to have on offense because, you know, I think ultimately that that offense last year was a pretty smash mouth offense. I mean, they were running downhill stuff, and I think he he brings that element to their offense. And so, right now, I mean, they, he's he's going RB twenty four. You know, last year he finished running back six, and on a per game basis, he was running back eight. So, I mean, he's gonna have value when he gets back and it could even actually be a good thing to have first four weeks off i think honestly he's being under he's being undervalued right now and i think you know he he could be the kind of guy that you you target in the middle rounds because or the early middle rounds i guess because he's going to come in and have fresh legs after week four yeah i mean look the interesting thing to me is that people are doubting not just whether he's worth it but what his role will be when he comes back that's yeah. the fascinating part to me. And part of what's built in here is how you feel about Alvin Kamara because Kamara, I mean, last year, the whole deal with taking Alvin Kamara top four is kind of, you know, he had 6.1 yards per carry and like 13 touchdowns and on like very few snaps. And no one yeah. is arguing that those will sustain. Like, you know, six, like <laughs> Bill Barnwell at ESPN had a great stat that was like, people who've done 6.1 yards per carry are like OJ Simpson, Barry Sanders, Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, like two other guys. None of them ever replicated it. It's completely mm-hmm. unsustainable, but his volume will uptick even after Ingram comes back, which I see. But I, I'm also like, uh, there, there are like, there are people who think Jonathan Williams might be able to steal his role, but I think Ingram uh, is still like a pretty integral part of what they do. And I'm, I'm confused how he's fallen closer to, love to Latavius Murray, but I'm confused how he's closer to Latavius Murray now than actually Kamara. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on, I like Ingram a lot. I think he's going to maintain his kind of role when he gets back. This is all projection, right? We're kind of just guessing, but that's my gut. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with Ingram this year. I think he's going to still have a good season. I mean, the, the, the saints offense, you're betting part of, part of it is you're betting on the saints offense. And I feel comfortable doing that because they have, yeah. probably the most complete offense in the NFL. You know, with the way that they can run, with Drew Brees under center. I just think if, you, if you're discounting Ingram based on his, his, you know, his suspension and then obviously Kamara, I just think you're going to miss out on some value there. So I, I like him. There's so much time spent trying to find guys who are like, oh, maybe by like week four it'll be amazing. And like, well, Ingram, he's <laughs> right there. Yeah, I mean, just stash him yeah, on, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Just stash so, him for four weeks. But um, all right, so who, who you got next? Who, who's the next guy in your mind? So, <laughs> I think he's the most divisive of all. Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Who is the human galaxy brain meme. 
because uh, you have <laughs> <laughs> he really is because there's like the caveman brain was like he had 400 catches in four seasons it's an NFL record and like he led the NFL with 112 <laughs> catches and like also 987 yards nine touchdowns best slot receiver in football like going to the, the NFL 100 they do in 2017 had him as like the seventh best receiver and it's like you know, it was like a caveman brain like he's elite and then there's like the next level where it's like he catches all his balls near the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and he's basically Brian Hartline or like Devone Bess and he had like 8.8 <laughs> yards per catch or something like third most targets. It, he, he was saved because he had the third most targets in goal to go and got nine touchdowns, but like has never been near that. But I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's he's a, he's a strangely used situational player. Scott Cashmere at uh, Football Outsiders did a study entering last season and they found that like of like the 28 players they measured um, over the like the previous four seasons. Mm-hmm. They they found Landry was one of two players with negative correlation between his receptions and his team's passing DVOA, <laughs> and the Dolphins have actually performed much better when he was was not a focal point in the offense. That's like interesting. that was one of two. Uh, so he's like the he's like the embodiment of the argument against PPR and why receptions should have value in their own right because mm-hmm. his receptions don't create value. And then there's the next level entering this season where that's kind of the book on him so far. And then there's entering this season where people are like, he's going to play outside more. Maybe right. that was just the result of the Dolphins' like baffling scheme and usage of him, and he's actually skilled. And then the other thing against them this year, people kind of say like they have all these weapons, but like there's kind of like, you know, Cleveland has like two quarterbacks. They have like three qualified running backs, but they don't actually have a ton of pass-catching competition against Landry. Like we'll see if they bring in Dez or not. But like right now you're talking about Josh Gordon, who could not be more of a question mark. And mm-hmm. then, like, Antonio Callaway, Rashard Higgins, Jeff Janis, dudes that you kind of look at and you're like, wait, like, you know, he's not going to get 160 targets last year, but, like, like he did, you know, last year, but he could get a lot of targets. Yeah, he could and get, it's yeah. The back and forth between football people who really see that, like, they're, he's the most overrated player, and then to the point where now he's, like, almost underrated has been just kind of funny. <laughs> so where do you land? I've actually because fallen all the way down. I actually think he's kind of a good value right now. He's going yeah. 42nd overall in standard, 38 in PPR, which that doesn't make sense. But in PPR leagues, I, I wouldn't touch him in standard for where he's going. But PPR, right. I actually think he is undervalued now. I think that just because he doesn't actually, he's overrated in real football. In fantasy, he's actually being underrated right now. These like wild swings in the narrative. I think it's funny how that has some like interplay with what happens in fantasy football because, you know, it just kind of affects what people think. Because right now, like you're right, and people see him as sort of a glorified checkdown guy. You know, the yeah. their, his his you know critics the, or whatever. He's, if you if it's third and ten, he's the best receiver in Can league get, history to get you five yards. Um, and that's like the book on him. Uh, but I mean, I do think he's talented, and he's he is really good after the catch. I think he could be this team's. He could be a red zone target for this team. So, I don't know. I, I kind of like Landry. I mean, at that, you know, where he is now, it doesn't seem that off to me. I was so inspired by the speech he gave um, the receiver from Hard Knocks. I just wanted to run through a wall yeah. for the guy. So, let's see. Bless him. Bless him, DK. Bless him. We got to bless him. No, please uh, don't do that. You know? No, it's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lame. It's the new child, please. It's just fucking annoying. Jim, that it bothers Jim is actually just makes me love it so much more. The next guy, Amari Cooper in Oakland. I don't know what the hell to think of Cooper because <laughs> I had him last year and he was probably the most frustrating fantasy player, you know, in the NFL maybe. Obviously, he had one game where he just went off and you kind of see his potential there and 
think that's kind of what he can do. You know, he's, he's that talented. He was the fourth overall pick for a reason. He's a really good route runner and all that. But then he also was third, I think, in the NFL in, in drops. He had nine drops for football outsiders. You know, he's just all over the map. The Raiders are all over the map. What the hell are we going to expect from John Gruden? So, you know, what's their offense going to look like? What's Jordy Nelson going to look like? We we talked last week about how it seemed that John Gruden brought, and this is part of the Graziano report uh, that you're mentioning, that Gruden seems like he brought in Jordy Nelson to be like a professional influence almost on Cooper because he just did mm. not have a did not have a good year. Uh, and I'm torn because it the reports really do seem to indicate that Cooper is going to be the focal point of the offense, right. and he's going to be one of those like. Of all the guys that you're going to look back on entering 2019, you're like, oh, I can't believe I didn't see that coming. And it's like a guy of Amari Cooper's pedigree from Alabama, and you're like, oh, of course he was going to be good. How did we judge him you know, so quickly? The other side is he was abysmal, and he's kind mm-hmm. of being drafted without enough of that quite baked in. You know what I mean? Like his ADP right now is 35, which is still super— I, I'm, I'm not—like <laughs> in 2017, he was 101. <laughs> Like he finished yeah. 101st, like he was wide receiver 36. Right now he's being drafted around wide receiver 16. So it's not like last year is being baked into his thing. Like Sammy Watkins is, it is a little bit more. Like obviously there's still potential there, but with Amari Cooper, I don't feel like I'm getting enough value for how crappy he was last year to feel comfortable risking like a like a third or fourth round pick on the guy. It's like, where? Do, how do you feel about Derek Carr too? I mean, it's just like, there's so many variables with Cooper. I Ultimately, I think... He's still worth taking because I think he's just going to get so much volume. I think he's, I think that Graziano is right. Like he's going to be, they're going to force feed him the football this year. And even if he has drops, I still think, you know, he doesn't have to compete with Michael Crabtree anymore. Obviously, Jordy Nelson's a factor, but I just think that, I just think he's going to have so much volume that even if he's not that good, like if he still struggles this year, I think he could still have a big year. Yeah. You know, you know, has a lot of volume. Derek Carr from John Gruden screaming in his ear all day. <laughs> a real version of Gruden's quarterback camp, as Robert Mays wrote on TheRinger.com, which is a great website. And I think that's all we got for today, DK, right? Yeah, why don't you, why don't you take us out? Yeah, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs>